Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I would refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for... August the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide that absolutely we're convinced. The checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hopefully you had a God, family, country-filled weekend, ladies and gentlemen, as I did indeed. Woo, man, we had a lot going on. Red pill, a month later, Freedom Fest, just hard-hitting talk all the while. Incredible interviews, so many that we couldn't even do them during the live events. Too many, too many interviews, too many shows. Carried them forward. We're still not even done with all the incredible interviews that are known as uh, what we took at Freedom Fest. What we interviewed, the people we interviewed at Freedom Fest, couldn't even cover them all. So we did some of those last week. Had to take a day off on Saturday. So we were live Thursday, Friday, all last week except for Saturday. I took a break for once. Man, just so much coverage, so much news, so many details. But you know what? We're all over it. We've got a lot of rest Saturday and Sunday. And we're ready to go. Quick recap. Then our guest, Lil Nelson, Campaign for Liberty. Then our guest, Dr. Scott Bradley, and another incredible hard-hitting talk radio broadcast at your fingertips. Here's Thursday's recap. We are with Kurt Crosby. All things liberty. Localhoneyman.com. We talked about Thomas Patrick Conley. Junior has been arrested for allegedly sending emails threatening White House Chief Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci and his family, according to a uh, criminal complaint. And you know what? I don't know the truth, but all I can tell you is nobody should be threatening anyone. Okay, I, can, I couldn't agree with Fauci. On, I can't agree with the guy on anything. I think Fauci's a nutcase. All right, but I don't wish any ill to Fauci or his family. In fact, I pray, pray, pray for them, that they'll come to their senses, that they will not continue, in my personal opinion, to which I'm entitled, I hope they don't continue to betray America. Okay, I think Fauci's a dishonest person. I don't think he's telling the truth. I think he's got a lot to hide. I think he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of um, <clears throat> whatever in his closet, right? And so I, I, I don't agree with Fauci on anything, but man, I don't wish any harm on the guy. CNN anchor Don Lemon doing a good job for once. I rarely agree with this guy, but he did a good job. He defended Fox News host Tucker Carlson. See, Tucker was in a fishing store in Montana. And uh, basically somebody came and confronted Tucker and was pretty belligerent and kind of problematic and everything else. And um, Don Lemon said, you know what, I'm defending Tucker. I don't appreciate this. You know what, going up to people and abusing people, I don't like this. I don't like it one bit, said Don Lemon. He said, I would not want it to happen to me. And boy, I think Don Lemon's got it right. You know what? Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. Treat people with kindness and dignity and civility and respect, okay? Even if you disagree, look, I'm not going to go accost uh, Maxine Waters or Nancy Pelosi or Anthony Fauci or any of those people. 
Okay, it, it's just not appropriate. It doesn't do any good. All it does is make things worse. Does that mean I agree with Fauci? Of course not. But I'm going to defend Fauci and his right to be, you know what, safe in his person. Because I defend that right for all of us, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we try to be nonpartisan, where we try to really be respectful and say, look, I don't care what side of the aisle are you on. Um, even the abortionists. I mean, I couldn't disagree with them more. But I'm not going to go accost one of them. Uh, Steve Voss writes an incredible song about how sad it is when we take violence or take things to the next level of violence. It's, it's a shame. It's got to stop. Anyway, so I commend Don Lemon for speaking out on behalf of Tucker Carlson. Uh, and I, you know what? This guy attacking Fauci or whatever it is, threatening Fauci, shame on him. Google announces vaccine mandate for workers. So I'm not going to go attack Google hierarchy. I'm going to, in the public forum, kind of shame Google and say, shame on you. Don't get political. Step back a little bit. Let people have their agency. Let people choose for themselves. Please. New York is even offering a $100 incentive for those who get vaccinations. Well, first off, 100 bucks is a pretty, you know, in my opinion, meager amount to try to trade your health for. I think the vaccines are dangerous. I think they're not safe. They're not effective. They're not approved by the FDA. They're not. So you can claim they're safe and effective, but you do so without proof, and you do so without the level of the FDA approval. Oh, well, Sam, we just haven't had time to have that approval. You lie to me now. Stop. It's already been a year and a half. You've had plenty of time to get approval. Sam, it takes way longer than that. It does, does it? Why does it take so long? Well, Sam, because we have to prove it's safe and effective. I get it. Oh, you mean it takes so long because not because it has to be proven safe and effective, but because of government red tape? Which is it now? Which is it? Is it red tape and bogus that it takes so long, or is it legitimate that it takes so long? If it's legitimate, defend it and then say we haven't reached that level, because that's the honest conclusion. If, on the other hand, it takes so long because of red tape and for bogus reasons, then admit that, too, and downsize D.C., would you please? All right, fraudulent PCR test exposed. CDC, believe it or not, quietly withdraws emergency use authorization for the PCR test because, well, it can't differentiate COVID-19 from influenza. Now, they say that you and I are ignorant because we act like COVID-19 is like the flu. Oh, how ignorant you are, you ignorant, non-scientific retards that don't have a clue. And then you say, oh, well, the test that you developed can't tell the difference either. Ah, how dumb am I? Got it. Now, you then ask for emergency authorization for that test. You get it granted. You use it. You say that 34 million plus people have the COVID, but then you admit at the end of that, we don't really know how many of those have the flu and have the COVID because our test can't tell the difference. And then you say, well, we need to, well, we're, we're not, I know we asked for immediate authorization, but now we're going to withdraw quietly that emergency authorization for a test that, well, didn't really do the job anyway. And then when I say there's not much difference between the flu and the cocoa, you're going to say, you don't, you don't know, Sam. And I'm going to say, well, your test doesn't know either. And you obviously don't know because you can't tell me which in the numbers of your 34 million you claim have the cocoa or had the cocoa or have been tested positive for the cocoa or really the cocoa at all. They might be the flu and you don't even know, huh? So don't tell me I don't know and I'm ignorant. You don't even know. And if you do know, tell me which of those numbers are COVID and which of those are flu. And if you don't know, why did you ask for emergency authorization of a test that can't tell the difference if I'm so ignorant? And then why did you quietly ask to have that authorization removed because it can't tell the difference? Why am I getting angry and frustrated? Because I believe this dishonest effort from the 
CDC is shameful. They literally use those numbers to lock down, control, and just absolutely demonize any naysayers. Inside. They ran around saying we we're peddling fake news and information when we said you can't tell the difference between the two, and now they admit their test can't even tell, and they don't even know. And all the numbers they've been using this whole time, from numbers of cases to deaths to everything else, has been a fraudulent, dishonest, we don't know the difference either. Shame on you. CDC director now suggests that passports, vaccine passports, could be the way forward for Americans. Yeah, but what about all the breakthrough infections? What about all the people that just had the flu and not even the COVID in the first place? Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. It's nothing but a control mechanism to break and violate the Fourth and Fifth Amendments of the United States Bill of Rights. Ladies and gentlemen, shame on them for their dishonesty. New York governor whacked out Cuomo. Yeah, he's going to mandate vaccine mandate for the state employees. So if you're in New York, you got to have a vax, according to Como, whacked out Como. A vaccine that's not been proven safe or effective. Kind of like the emergency use for the test. It turned out to be bogus, and eventually they'll have to pull it. CDC says studies propelling shift in mask guidance not available. So now they're moving forward to this mask guidance in a supposedly emergency situation, and they don't even know the truth. Okay, they don't have the studies to prove their shift in guidance. They tell you, oh, the Delta variant, it's way worse. It's horrible. It's, I mean, it's, it's more infectious and more abusive than the other one. How do you know? Prove it. Other countries are saying, yeah, it's more virulent. In other words, it spreads faster. But usually the nature of viruses, the faster they spread, the less lethal they are. Get a lot of that, scientific goons. Usually, historically, unless you have science to prove this upseats the normal, you tell me this. Usually when it becomes more and more and more violent or spread faster, it becomes weaker in its, in its delivery, its payload. Is that true scientific community? If it is, level with the American people and quit lying. If it's not true, then prove me the science to the contrary. Please, get it done and get it done now. Alarm sounded, ladies and gentlemen. COVID shot mandates pose risk to millions. May cause death, writes Bob Unra, WND.com, one of the only news services with guts. The comments come from Dr. Paul Kenman. The guy is a, a, putting his whole career on the line. Paul Kempen. K-E-M-P-E-N. So none of y'all get mixed up in what I'm saying. Paul Kemen. Kempen. He's a medical doctor. He leads the association of American physicians. He's no slouch, okay? Not only American physicians, but American physicians and surgeons. He leads that whole group. And he said, alarm sounded, COVID shots pose risk to millions. And then I bring this up and they say, oh, Sam, you're discredited. You don't know anything. And I say, but I'm quoting a credible source. And they say, yeah, that guy was a rocket scientist back in the day. We, we made him, you know, the leader of these uh, physicians and surgeons. He was so good for years, but now he's a whack, a crackpot, a nut. We reject everything you and he say. Shut you all down for your impertinence. Shame on these people. That was only in one hour of Liberty Roundtable Live on Thursday, our coverage. We also talked about Biden to demand federal workers. Get vaxxed? Is that really going to happen? Mike Lindell offering $5 million to anyone that can disprove his allegations of vote fraud. But you got to attend his event to get the $5 million. Cyber Ninjas says it's received. in private donations, folks.
The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education, conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio. I'm sorry to go off so crazy on this, but man, I'm telling you right now, the lies that we're being told every day, more and more evidence, every day, more and more truth comes out. And I'm telling you right now, these people, we need to... Um, we need to really go after these people and criminally prosecute uh, Fauci and many others for their criminal activity, ladies and gentlemen. It is out of control, and I'm livid about it. Holy moly. I don't want any harm to come to anyone, ladies and gentlemen, but I do want accountability via the rule of law. I'll tell you that right now. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome back. I'm so sorry to take so long, sir. Thanks for having me, Sam. I love the rant, and I'm grateful for the rain this morning. Amen to both. Can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'm not even going to cover Friday's broadcast. There's so much to cover in that, but I'm going to hold that off uh, in the interest of Lowell Nelson Campaign for Liberty.org, who, by the way, had an incredible event last Saturday, and he's here to tell us about it. Leadership training, sir. It was a wonderful event. Sam, 42 good people attended this school and at the uh, Salt Lake Community College there in Sandy, Utah. Ted Harvey was our instructor. Ted's a former legislator in the state of Colorado. He actually worked in the uh, Reagan, Ronald Reagan administration and then came back to the state of Colorado and uh, was elected to the House, state house there and then the state senate, served, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So he really knows what he's talking about. The school went all day, 9 in the morning to 6 at night, and it was awesome. One, uh, and the, the attendees are what impressed me, Sam. One attendee teaches interested parties about gun ownership and preparedness. 
Another one, uh, by the way, it happened. It was was charged with criminal trespass for having kept an appointment at her doctor's office because she was not wearing a mask. So she's been being charged right now in Sandy City for that terrible offense. Um, several attendees were from the platform Republican PAC, whose mission is to support legislators who will adhere to the Republican Party platform. Now, this is a story that the, uh, the next attendee, he, he represents the Voice for the Voiceless. Very interesting organization. Voiceforthevoiceless.life is the website. He and his wife are on the sidewalks four to five days every week, Sam. They work behind the scenes with city council, state legislators, law enforcement, and other like-minded organizations towards the total abolition of abortion. On their website, Sam, are some sobering statistics. Two children die from abortion in the United States every 60 seconds. One in three women have had an abortion by age 45. And finally, every year here in Utah, 3,000 babies are killed. That's, that's killed right here in pro-life conservative Utah, 3,000. But one highlight of the day was came when Chris got a phone call in the late morning. He left the class. Chris uh, is, is the name of the fellow who who uh, works there in the voice for the voiceless ministry. Um, he left the class. Why did he leave? Well, it was to help a young woman who was thinking about getting an abortion. Um, he spent uh, the afternoon uh, working with the young lady. And I learned late last night, Sam, that she had accepted their help. He, he texted me this. He said, quote, that makes four babies rescued this week. It's an incredibly rewarding ministry, end of quote. You know, so, I've I mean, always said that the pro-life issue is the most important issue we can deal with in America because if we don't have life, you know, it's all about the protection of life, liberty, and property, the whole purpose of government. And if we don't have the protection mm -hmm. of life of the most innocent among us, what do we have in terms of liberty and property? The answer is it all goes downhill from there. Those who lose their lives without a choice before they're even able to fight for it, the most innocent among us. If we can't fight for that and win, how can we appeal to God for our other liberties? I don't, I don't get the disconnect in most yeah. people's minds, but I think this is the most important issue, bar none, sir. Well, I, I agree, Sam, and it was the, by the example of this man uh, Chris Martinson is his name. Wonderful young man, and you know, I mean, who would who would pay fifty bucks for a class and then leave like just two hours into it? Uh, well, it's a it's a man who values life, and he went out and he rescued a baby a, a Saturday, and that was the fourth one that week. It's just incredibly sobering, encouraging, inspiring. Well, you email Chris and have him. Exam. You email Chris and have him call me. We got to get this guy on the radio. A guy that stands up for life in his spare time. He's working on liberty, right? I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, I'll do that, Sam. Great idea. We what a wonderful example, like though, and that's what we need. I agree with that for sure. All right, anything else on this Liberty <laughs> School? Uh, nothing more except the uh, survey that I had to answer in order hey, to... Hold on. Before you get to the survey, school. I want to mention really quick, Lowell. Sorry to keep interrupting. Yeah. I want to mention, though, there are yeah. schools all over the country like this, ladies and gentlemen. We just give you the Utah example, but since this is a nationally syndicated radio show on AM and FM terrestrial radio stations and worldwide via the Internet and more, I want you to know, just because you didn't go to this school in Utah, there are schools all over the country, and here's how you can learn more about them. Uh, do that quickly, Lowell, then the survey. Very good, yes. Uh, go to a uh, website, uh, FACL-Training. Uh, FACL is the four letters, stands for Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. 
slash Foxtrot Alpha Charlie Lima. Faculty-training.org slash schools slash events. And uh, you'll see there are a list of schools being taught in the month of August. There's 14 of those schools in uh, North Carolina, Kansas, Alabama, Virginia, Washington, Michigan, Florida, Indiana, Georgia, New Hampshire, New York, um, and Massachusetts, um, and several actually taught in Florida uh, next or this month. And so, and they're always going on. You know, our instructor said that uh, last year they taught maybe a total of 15 or 20 schools. This year they're teaching that many every single month. And so there it is, is a school near you. Yeah, it's fantastic. The interest in this school just shot up dramatically. Why? Well, because of this COVID lockdowns and masking mandates, the business closures. People are upset, Sam, and they're going to these schools and, and learning how they can make a difference in the in you know in governing their local governments, which is where the lockdowns are occurring. By the way, Most, the governors, the mayors, the county health directors. That's where these lockdowns are originating and some of them at the governorship but you know we these schools teach people what to do and how to do it it's, uh, it's pretty awesome sam it's incredible and i mentioned that because i want people to understand we don't just cover this because it's a utah thing or a local thing we, we rarely do that oftentimes we always have a national reason if it's a local event in our area we're encouraging you to have those kinds of events in your area if it's etc cetera, etc cetera. so this is not just a oh man they're talking about provo utah they're talking about ogden utah they're talking about this local place they're having an event yeah we are to some degree but we're encouraging you to mirror that all over the country we're encouraging you if you have something happening in your area that we're not doing to call us to email us to let us know about it so we can spread the word it's all about learning how to do it folks it's all about learning how to work together it's all about inspiration from one another uh, of what difference we, that's liberty roundtable live i don't have all the information folks i'm just a guy like you are but man when i got guys like lowell nelson and scott bradley and Pete Sapp and Kurt Crosby and all kinds of people jump into the round table. Pretty soon, man, it's a, it's a brain trust, a wealth of information because of who's bringing this information to you. And it's not small groups. It's groups like Lowell Nelson, who's literally involved with the National Campaign for Liberty organization, who brings us articles from Lou Rockwell and ronpaulinstitute.org. And other places like that. This is a huge brain trust think tank known as Liberty Roundtable Live, and I'm just grateful to be part of it. That's all. Anyway, political leadership school, fantastic. It's happening all over the country. Uh, and and by the way, when you, Sam, when you, uh, yes, sir. If, if, oh, yeah, if if you don't see a school near you, but you can get together at least twenty people in your town, they will come to you. Faculty will actually send an instructor to you if you can get twenty or more people to assemble to learn these important skills. So I don't care if you live in Kansas and Florida and Alaska. I don't care where you are in, in, in the United States. If you want to get a school together, you can, you can host a school right in your town. The faculty, uh, uh, faculty will come to you. So go to facul-training.org. That's F-A-C-L-training.org, and you can click a button there and actually host a school if there's not one near you. Sam? Now, there's an incredible series of survey questions that are asked as well to kind of gauge the liberty movement and uh, take guidance from conservatives, etc. And Lowell was filling this out, and he brought up a few questions that he thought, you know what, these are worthy of kind of discussion, Lowell? Yeah, I do. I want to get your take on these, Sam. I, you have great insight. You've been, in, uh, you've been 
you know, dealing with issues for a lot longer than I have. And so, like question number six on this survey, marriage, it says, should be defined as one man and one woman only. Now, I mark generally agree, but then I thought to myself, I'm not sure that marriage should be defined by government. Isn't marriage a religious institution, or does government have a compelling interest in defining marriage? Uh, Sam, what do you think of that? I think, well, let me tell you what I think right after the pause, ladies and gentlemen, but I'll be very, very clear about what I think on this. No unequivocation, no confusion. I'm going to lay it down as I see it. That doesn't mean it's perfect. It just means it's my opinion to which I'm entitled. You can agree or disagree, and if you, either way, we'll still be friends. How's that? All right, hang tight. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. I'm Brad Bernards. Former President Donald Trump on Sunday accused legacy media outlets of continuously spreading the claim that there is no evidence of election fraud, adding in a statement that, in the end, truth will win. The New York Times and others always insert a clause into their stories without evidence that the election was decided fraudulently. As usual, this is fake news, Trump said in a statement. Missouri Democrat Cori Bush slammed her House colleagues for adjourning for August recess without passing an extension of the CDC eviction moratorium for renters. Bush is sleeping on the steps of the U.S. Capitol in an effort to appeal to her colleagues to extend the moratorium. Their human dignity and they deserve for the people that are paid to represent them to show up and do the work to make sure that they have their basic needs met. She says she will stay there until something gets done. This is USA Radio News. Hey, some big news. Eric Bowling is back on TV with a new show. Tune into Newsmax every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern and watch Eric Bowling on The Balance. Eric is the balance to big media, woke politics, and cancel culture. All this week, Eric is exposing the dangers of Joe Biden's inflation. It's already rising big time, and it could wipe out your stocks, bonds, cash, even your retirement. So get the truth about Biden and find your balance. Watch Eric Bowling on Newsmax at 4 p.m. Eastern today. More than 30 million Americans watch Newsmax. It's on all major cable systems. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them. Tell them you want it. Plus, find Newsmax free on streaming systems like Roku, Samsung, LG, Pluto, Zumo, and more. Or download the free Newsmax app on your phone and watch it anytime, anywhere. More than 30 million Americans are tuning into Newsmax because it's real news for real people. As the country grapples with the surge in the Delta variant of the COVID-19 coronavirus, Dr. Anthony Fauci believes that lockdowns the country saw last year are likely to not return, though he warned things will get worse during an interview on ABC's This Week. If you look at the acceleration of the number of cases, the seven-day average has gone up substantially. You know, what we really need to do, John, we say it over and over again, and it's the truth. We have 100 million people in this country who are eligible to be vaccinated, who are not getting vaccinated. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam on Tuesday announced that the local government is currently drafting a fake news bill aimed at combating what it deems to be misinformation, hatred, and lies, a move which experts have dubbed as the latest assault on press freedom in the city. 
During a press conference, Lamb said that the government was looking into fake news in the city, but didn't provide a timetable. This is USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org on your radio. So we're talking about a survey at the leadership school, and one of the questions says, marriage should be defined as one man and one woman only. Well, here's my response to this, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be very, very clear, okay, shall we? God-given inalienable rights come from God, not government. And we've got 10 of them articulated in the Bill of Rights, where government is a no-no, keep your hands off of. A lot of people think that only applies to the federal government, but not to the states. I disagree with that dishonest interpretation as well. Okay, these are God-given rights, and the state has no more authority to violate them than the federal government does. Let's be very clear, okay? However, um, a marriage is something that God ordained and put together. Adam, meet Eve, by the way. And uh, so let's let God be in charge of marriage, shall we? And let's let God define marriage, which he already has, is between one man and one woman. So we don't need a government definition at all. We've already got one. It's biblical. It comes from God. It's an alienable right to marry and bring forth children. It's a God-given mandate, really, if you will. And let's not have government tamper or get involved in it at all. Now, understand, the only time God or government got involved in marriage in the first place is when God wanted to, I'm sorry, when government wanted to play racist. Government got in marriage because blacks shouldn't be marrying whites and etc. And, 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 and somehow government decided it had the moral high ground above God. Shame on government for this. Now government wants to control marriage in all kinds of other weird ways. So every time government gets involved where it ought not, it goes all south every single time. Make no mistake about that. Now, do I think government has an appropriate moral support of things godly? I do. How does government do that? Well, government does have an appropriate responsibility or legitimate role based on the consent of the governed, which is to honor contracts. So if you have a marriage contract and you decide to write it down, then let government honor it in the courts if it ever gets breached or broken. But if there's just an entry in the Bible, let it be God. And so, uh, frankly, I don't see where government fits in at all, Lol. I just don't. Yeah, well, I like that, Sam. I, that was kind of what I was thinking, you know, because God is the one who, who ordained marriage. I think government only defines marriage because of the tax uh, tax laws, right? They, 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 they try to, uh, you know, if you're married, then you get better tax benefits than if you're, if you're unmarried, you know, if, you, if you're single. So, I don't know, it's like social engineering is what government's trying to do with that. And if they didn't have, if they didn't have income taxes, then marriage probably wouldn't even be an issue, kind of, you know? Well, that's even debatable. I've got friends that are living together, and they won't get married because it will cost them tax-wise to get married, and they're better off single, and so they just live together single because of the tax benefits. Oh, interesting, yeah. So I'm well, telling you right uh, now, just get the government the heck out of it and treat it like the Bill of Rights. We ought to have the 11th Bill of Rights. Thou shalt not have government involved in personal relationships. Yeah, I like that. It's <laughs> a good idea. All right, next question. All right, anyway, there you go. Go yeah, ahead, sir. Yeah, next question. Marijuana. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep, we can Hello? hear you. Perfect. Go ahead. Marijuana. Okay. Marijuana should be legalized for recreational use. 
Now, in this, I put generally agree because I don't have the moral authority to tell you what you may or may not put into your body, but I do believe that the recreational use of marijuana, especially by minors, should be discouraged, just not by governments. Kind of like alcohol. I don't believe in it. I think it should be discouraged, but I don't think government should be able to tell you you can't do it. What do you think? Why do we have to make it legal or illegal? Why does government always have to be the authority? Why does government always have to be the deciding factor in control of everything? Why don't we just say, you know what, I, I don't know if it's legal or illegal. Government doesn't have any uh, involvement in that. If you in that, if you commit a crime, then that's illegal and prosecute. Otherwise, leave people alone. I like it. <clears throat> okay. Remember, uh, the Tocqueville 13. highlighted this very well, Lowell, when he basically said, look, the people are mm-hmm. good. America's great because the people are good, meaning moral. And if America ceases mm-hmm. to be good, meaning the people, it's going to cease to be great. He even went around and said, look, they can do anything. Anything is legal. Any, I mean, they, there's no illegality on anything, but they don't do it because they're moral. Look, let's teach our children that drugs are bad for you. Um, but look, you know what? I'm not here to outlaw peyote for the Indians, and I'm not here to outlaw you know, marijuana for people. I'd just say, look, I wouldn't smoke it and use it. I don't think it's good for you. I think you need to put air in your lungs, not things that make you cough, okay? And it's very simple to retards like me, and that's how it is. But you know what? Government, get out of it. Leave us alone. Okay, because I, and not because I just want to have a wild society, but because I believe we need to learn to be good. And if we learn to be good based on moral principle, we don't have to worry about every little jaunt and tittle of the 3,000 gazillion government laws. Next question. Yeah, yeah I remember Hugh Nibley saying that you can measure the decadence of a society by the, uh, the, the amount of their, rule, uh, their laws. You know, you multiply in Couldn't laws agree more. millions. <laughs> that's how decadent a society is. Next question is about illegal aliens. It says illegal aliens currently in the United States should be granted amnesty and given a quick path to citizenship. On this one, I mark generally disagree, but I don't know what to do, Sam. I don't know what to do with the illegals who were born here, you know, brought here without their knowledge, without their own volition. What do you do with them? I think there's a lot of ways we could go about these uh, issues, ladies and gentlemen. And I think the first thing you do is instead of trying to worry about the whole, and instead of trying to worry about the most legitimate reasons someone is here, that's what they always want to put forward because that's the hardest to deal mm. with, right? But what mm-hmm. that does by nature is it goes about the whole view, in my opinion, of illegal immigration wrong. Don't bring me the most worthy candidate to be here and say, how do we deal with them? Because then what you're going to do is move to the least worthy candidate to be here, and you're going to try to include them as well. Let's start the other way. I don't want to talk about, at least right now, the uh, people who come here to no uh, fault of their own as little children, or those who need to be here because they're fleeing from some political situation in another country they need protection, because those are legitimate people. Um, What I want to do is start talking about the criminals. The thugs, the rapists, the pillagers, the plunderers. And I want to find a way to stop every one of those people. 100% stop them. Let's sham that, shut that illegal criminal door shut right now. And once we get that done, now we can start talking about the legitimacy of certain circumstances that might be dealt with differently. But until you close that door and make it about the legitimates, you're making it about the whole group by nature. Does that make sense, Lowell? Yes, I like that approach. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I've ever heard that approach, but it certainly makes sense to me. I like it. Yeah, So because what happens is if I give you a reason that, oh, my gosh, Johnny, who was brought here when he was four, how is he at fault? You're right. He's not. 
But now the illegal that comes to the door is kind of riding on his coattails, in my opinion, wrongfully so. So let's shut the illegal door so hard you'll never open that sucker. And let's hold countries accountable financially and everything else around the globe to ensure and make that happen. Let's take away the carrots and the wrong reasons people are coming to America by getting rid of socialism and welfare and everything else. And let's lock that door so tight you'll never see straight. Now let's talk about legitimates who deserve to be here for certain reasons. And I think then that discussion becomes real. It becomes legitimate. It becomes appropriate. And I'm not at all saying, because then if I give any exception, they're going to say, you think one size fits all. You're, le you're letting these people get amnesty. You're, and, and they try to beat me up as a politician. Well, no, duh. You went about it all wrong to the point where everybody and their dog gets in for any reason under the sun. You'll never win that debate. But if I shut that illegal door sh hard for criminals and rapists and anybody who's got a record and, and, and this kind of stuff, and I lock out those who have um, ailments and problems that'll just be a burden on society, and, and I, bring, I jettison all the carrots and the wrong reasons people come, are you really coming to fight hard for freedom and learn to work hard and become an American? Or are you just coming here to have a baby for free and have your kids educated for free? Why are you here? Okay, and we start that way. Then I think we can eventually back into a common sense discussion about those um, who are, uh, what do they call them? Uh, when they come here and they're little kids and then they grow up, what are they called again? Oh, yeah, dream uh, dreamers. Yeah, dream. Okay, they, they create a name for them because what you want to do is just love the name, and you can't be against the dreamers, can you? I mean, America's about no. dreams. How dare you go against mm -hmm. the dreamers? See how that is? And, and you just can't win yeah. that argument. But I can defend the dreamers if we really shut the illegal criminal door. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, so like how yeah. long have you been in America, young man? Oh, since you were three? How old are you? 25? Great. How has your life been? Are you a criminal in America? Are you a good guy? Let's evaluate your case one at a time, because now that we've got rid of the criminals, we've got rid of the people that are here um, with, you know, let's let's narrow the scope down. How many are there? A million of those? Good. Let's look at them and find out um, your what have you done with the with the wonderful freedoms you've been blessed with for the last whatever number of years since you got here to no fault of your own. What? And we just go through that and say, hey, what have you done with your liberty, sir, ma'am? And you know what? If they've been taxpaying, liberty-loving Americans, well, maybe they deserve to stay. But that's a different discussion now that I've flat-out shut the criminal door down. You can't tell me I'm for amnesty for everybody. That's a lie, and don't even start there. So that's what we've got to do, in my humble opinion, Lowell. And I know I've taken way oh, too long. Man. We'll get to question 14 in a second. But these are hardcore, serious issues that most people, you've got to be able to think through this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Come on now. All right, Sam and Lowell, you are listening to the one and only. Liberty Roundtable Live. Yeah, this is David in engineering. This is your wife in suburbia. Oh, hi, hon. What's up? How's the robot coming? Well, it doesn't exactly respond to requests mm. yet, but I'm... Well, I know how frustrating that can be. You do? Uh-huh. I'm still waiting for my romantic lunch date. Oh, yeah. David. Oh, I must not have enough memory uh, allocated. Uh-huh. Sorry. You know, your son said mama today. Really? Uh-huh. Well, we'll have to have that sound chip changed to Dada. Well, you could reprogram it yourself, you know. I know. Hey, why don't we do it over lunch today? Oh, you really are brilliant. Thanks. You want me to bring the robot? David. He can order pasta in 11 languages. Only if he pays for his own lunch. Okay. Oh, don't forget to bring Chip. Uh, I still wish we hadn't named him that. 
Why? It beats general default. Oh. Family. Isn't it about time? Do you know that a baby processes information three times faster than an adult? An adult what? Engineer. Engineer. Funny, funny. <laughs> I'll see you soon. I can't wait. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not going to protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. Sorry to take so long on these questions. They are weighty matters, though, Lowell Nelson. They really are weighty, and I, I appreciate so much your perspective on them. The fourth and last question I, that I had questions about uh, it was about abortion. Uh, where do you stand on life at conception? They gave us five choices here. They say abortion should be, colon, and then illegal in, illegal in all cases, illegal except if the mother's life is at risk, illegal except in the case of rape and incest, illegal except in the case of rape, incest, and health of the mother, or legalized. Abortion should be legalized. Now, I chose... The second one, illegal except if the mother's life is at risk. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I don't know whether that is, opens that little loophole, becomes a large loophole. I mean, if, what if a doctor, you know, just says, well, your life is at risk, you better get an abortion. So that might be too big of a loophole, yet I believe that, it's, you know, if, if the mother thinks that she's going to die by giving birth, I mean, a lot of mothers would, would do so simply because they would rather give up their own life than to, to take someone else's life. And I have great admiration for that. But as far as, you know, mandating that by law, I, I, I'm not sure. So what's your... I think your differently on this. Why do, we have to, why do we have to have a specific abortion discussion separate from the murder discussion? Mm-hmm. And as far as I understand, life is not a group deal. Life is an individual deal. Mm-hmm. Either my life is uh, viable or it's not. Same with you and same with each child sent from God to us. All right, so why are we looking at it as a group discussion? Or, a you know, a, a, we're going to decide the right here and whatever. Why don't we just look at it and say, look, the killing of anyone is a murder. Now, if you want to say, hey, let's have some exceptions for that, why don't those exceptions be taken on case by case as every life should be? And you say, well, Sam, that's mm-hmm. not manageable. Yes, it is. Yes, it is manageable. If we can manage everybody on the planet, we could certainly manage everybody being born to the planet. 
We seem to control and manage every birth certificate and every death certificate on the planet. Don't tell me you can't deal with it individually. Otherwise, quit issuing birth and death certificates, okay? Stop already. Okay, the fact is we need to be accountable, and we should look at it case-by-case basis. And if your job and goal is to preserve life, then you're fine. 90% of the cases wouldn't even go to the government in the first place. But if someone thought it was a murder, let it be tried like any other murder. If it's not, then fine. Okay, so let's, why do we have to deal with this in a general statement decided by government in the get-go? Why not let each individual precious life uh, be determined in the balance individually? Thou shalt not kill should be the standard. And let's just start there and deal with it on an individual, every life matters basis. Take that, life matters, people. (laughs) Well, thank you, Sam. Uh, You have great insight on these matters. I appreciate it very much. All right. Thank you, sir, for uh, considering my thoughts on some of those things. I, I think they're very serious matters, and I don't mean to be angry about them. But I do mean to be very passionate. I do mean to say these are serious, weighty issues that absolutely matter. All right. Um, let's talk about the January 6th show trials threaten all of us real quick. Yeah, Ron Paul posted this column on Monday, last Monday, about the implications of these show trials. I mean, you look at Paul Hodgkins, his case, he was sentenced to eight months in prison for being a domestic terrorist by a court that said, quote, in carrying a Trump flag into the Senate, Hodgkins was declaring his loyalty to a single individual over the nation, end of quote. Wow, talk about weird perspective there. The prosecution also admitted that he was not a domestic terrorist, quote, the government recognizes that Hodgkins did not personally engage in or espouse violence or property destruction. We concede that Mr. Hodgkins is not under the legal definition of a domestic terrorist, end of quote. Yet, Hodgkins, he he was considered a terrorist because his taking a selfie in the Senate chambers occurred during an event that the court is framing in the context of terrorism, end of quote. So, I mean, Ron Paul He is warning us that sending Americans to prison for what they think, not for what they did, is flat-out wrong, Sam. But even even on this thought process, even on this thought process, Lowell, I say it's criminal. You're allowed to think whatever you want to. If I think down with the government, now shame on me for thinking that, but I have every right to think that if I want to. Now, if I take that to action that crosses the line of criminal activity, prosecute to the fullest extent. I get it and support that. But you know what? I can think whatever I want to. If I think the government's a criminal enterprise, I think it should be shut down tomorrow, I have every right to think that. Now, I haven't taken any uh, wrongful action or any illegal action, so leave me the heck alone. All right? A lot of these libertarians with their live and let live policies make sense to me. Now, they cross some lines, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, too, but all I'm saying is we need to get a hold. The older I get, the more libertarian in my thinking I become, to a great degree, Lowell. Well, and I think that's what's happening with me, too, Sam. More and more liberty-minded the older I get. You know, live and let live. Don't violate anyone else's life, liberty, and property, and stay the heck out of mine. There is no criminal activity in anything this guy did. The idea that he's even up on any charges right now is absolutely shameful and points to the, in my opinion, the paranoia of the deep state. They're so paranoid yeah. they got to go after guys like that. Are you kidding me right now? Well, and it's shameful that they're holding these political prisoners. There's, what, what five or 600 people that are currently in prison because of they simply walked into the Capitol building on January 6th 
That is flat out wrong, Sam. And I, I, Amen I know to that. You covered it a little bit. Covered it a little bit last week, and that's why I just wanted to follow up. Uh, Ron Paul's written, writing about it too. He's got he's got your back. You've got his, and uh, we need to to stop this. The people, you know, they, they they need they need to be tried. They need to be freed. You know, it's it's foolish. He's right about that. They do threaten up. every single one of us, Lol. Yeah, no question. Well, and that brings us to uh, all right. This article by I want to. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go I want ahead. to mention this one really quick first, too. Seven words that curse the state. Karen Kwiatkowski. And I don't want to ignore the last topic, but I want to have the rest of the time to it. What I don't want to do is run out of time. So uh, let's yeah. talk about these seven words, because I think they're important, too, Lowell. A pretty interesting discussion. I have a slight twist on this, but go ahead, sir. <laughs> okay. She says there are seven words we need to use more often to embolden us, to, make, to give us courage against the state. The first word is tyrant or tyranny, meaning the arbitrary or unrestrained exercise of power, the despotic abuse of authority. Is that not what we see around us every day? Yeah, I think it is. Hypocrite is an emotional word and should be directed at our government and its spokespeople and defenders every minute of every hour of every day. Another great word is liar. It's used by the state towards us citizens as if they censure our speech, for example. Uh, the best example is the COVID-19 fiasco. It's a government-run gain-of-function enhanced virus leaked from a government lab, resulting in government-directed shutdown, government-funded vaccine development, government-required genetic messenger RNA therapy development, with government-exempted safety and testing protocols, to government-mandated injections, to vaccine passports issued and mandated by who else? Government. That's the example, right? It's all based on lies. And you, and you look at whistleblowers like Julian Assange and Craig Murray and Daniel Hale. These good men were, were declared to be enemies of the state, and, and the state calls them liars. But in reality, the state is lying to us about them. Fauci is a liar, and we need to call him out on this. More people have been murdered by their own governments than by any other entity or class of people throughout history. Liars in government service have been and remain today, Sam, the absolute cause of literally millions of human deaths. And what do they use to cover up their deceit? Lies. Lies upon lies. Well, liberty is another word we should use. The fourth word, she says, the state disdains liberty because liberty is antithetical to control, and the state wants absolute control over you and me. Two more favorite words that Karen recommends, no and mine. No is a good initial response to nearly every government edict or request. You can always say yes later, but you've got to start with no. And the word mine speaks to ownership, and that's important because the state wants to eliminate private property. If you cannot own property, you cannot be free. You have no liberty if you cannot own property. And finally, Sam, the seventh and final word is thank you. Let us be grateful. Let's recognize God's providence in our lives. Those are the seven words, Sam. What do you think? And I love those seven words, and I generally agree with the point. Well, first off, I 100% agree with the point. I want to give a little bit of a warning, though, about some of these words, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll make my point as clear and as simple as I can. Um, understand, ladies and gentlemen, that we want to be the leaders in civility. Okay, I get that mm -hmm. we agree and disagree and everything else, but we've got to be very civil. So I'll give you an example to make the point. I like the seven words for sure. Tyranny, I like. T 
tyrant, I hesitate a little bit. Calling somebody a tyrant, all you got to do is change your language slightly to say that the principles they're advocating for will result in tyranny. Okay, I don't have to call them a tyrant. They may truly believe in what they're saying, even though they don't mean to be a tyrant. So we need to try to not make these words personal. So tyranny is better than tyrant. For example, hypocrite, Mm -hmm. I think we use the term hypocritical and say, you know what? What they're saying is hypocritical. Fauci to run around and do this or that or these governors to, you know, say, hey, you got to lock down for Thanksgiving and then go for uh, their own Thanksgiving party and we catch them at it in photos and everything else. Don't call them a hypocrite. Just say, look, that's a hypocritical behavior because now you're not personalizing the discussion. Liar. Okay, you know what? Mm -hmm. This is not the truth. You don't have to call the person a liar, but you can say, you know what? That's a falsehood. That isn't true. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can take on the truth, but we don't have to personalize it. Liberty, great. No, absolutely fantastic. Tell them no all the time. Mine, it is mine, ours, private, property. Focus on the private property focus when we say mine, because we don't want to act like little kids. It's mine, it's yours. The principle's right, but be careful to, you know, relate it to, look, this is about private property. Okay, thank you. In my opinion, I know that's a little more of a phrase than one word, but I think that's fantastic. The more we use those phrases, the more kind and civil we'll be. So I love the concept. I want to bring the reality of civility into the discussion, though, and teach people not to make the comments directed at individuals or make it personal. I can be kind and respectful to you, but I can still shoot down your idea that wants to promote tyranny. Okay, I can still shut down your desire to steal my private property. Okay, I can still use words that, look, that's stealing. I'm not making it personal to you. I'm just telling you, thou shalt not steal is a common. Okay, let's make sure that the language articulates what we really mean and that we don't make things personal uh, to attack because if we, if we do, then we're going to be holding the moral high ground. That's the only point. But I agree with the principle entirely, Lowell. You are a wise man, Sam. That's v- and I'm not saying that I do it perfectly. I'm a talk show host. I'm very good at, at personal attacks, and I've got to repent and try harder. So I'm not, I don't want myself, I don't want you to think that I've got this all under control. The last point, and I hate to give you the least time on this because I think it's the most important. However, we're going to be talking about this in detail with Dr. Scott Bradley. Speech by Samuel Adams, August 1st. Yesterday was the Sabbath on August 1st. Lowell, you've got 15 seconds on this one. Sorry, but we're covering it next hour. Oh, I'm glad that you'll be covering it, Sam. I will, uh, I will listen to it. Basically, this speech by Samuel Adams on the State House. Philadelphia, this is the famous speech where he said uh, that, uh, you know, crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. We ask not your counsels or your arms. But um, wonderful speech. Everyone should read it and celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Sam? Thank you, Lowell. I just know if anybody can give it the real treatment it deserves is Dr. Scott Bradley, so that's why. Thank you so much, sir, for everything you do. Godspeed. CampaignForLiberty.org Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is our two of two. This is the broadcast for August the 2nd, 
in the year of our Lord 2021. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio using the supreme law of the land, the Constitution of the United States of America as our guide. The checks and balances put in place by the Founding Fathers absolutely brilliant and one of the great peaceful solutions at our fingertips. We reject revolution, stand for peaceful restoration. Hopefully you had a God, family, country-filled weekend as I did and always do. Quick recap, Friday's show we had on Chris Carlson, discussions of all things liberty. We talked about the federal declassification. Board calls for JFK disclosure. My question is, why didn't Donald Trump get to the bottom of all these things and declassify a gazillion things? Why did Donald not do that? And when he talked about this issue with the birthers and, hey, man, we don't believe Barack's birth certificate and everything else. Then when he got to be president, he did nothing about it. Why? Why didn't he get to the bottom of the JFK thing? Why didn't he get to the bottom of the World War II scenario? Why didn't he get to the bottom of whatever happened to Adolf Hitler? Why didn't he? Come on now, Donald. But there you have it. We talked about the JFK assassination, the grassy null witnesses, etc. Mark Oaks has done a bunch of work on that and got videos out and everything. Why don't we know the truth about that by now, huh? Why is it still a conspiracy situation? Three bullets in 5.6 seconds. The magic bullet theory of whacked out Arlen Specter. I mean, come on now, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, we talked about that in great detail with the first half hour of Chris Carlson. Second half hour, we talked to a man running for governor in California by the name of Jeff Hewitt, father, business owner, politician, husband, proven success in the private sector. To learn more, Hewitt4CA, or that's California.com. Great interview there with Jeff Hewitt. That was hour one. Hour two, of course, we had on the good Dr. Scott Bradley with us, freedomsrisingsun.com, his website. And we talked about the 25-plus conspiracy theories that turned out to be true. Best Life wrote an article about it. I thought it was fascinating. Believe it or not, Dr. Scott Bradley has studied this issue, uh, collegiate-style research, for a long time. So it was a worthy discussion that we probably needed more time for. Nevertheless, great job by the good doctor then. And we're always expecting the same. Dr. Bradley's with me now. His website, freedomsrisingsun.com. And uh, on that website, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to clearly understand, you've got well over a 1,000 videos, Q&As on the Constitution. You've got live weekly webinars going on right now. You've got his collegiate series to preserve the nation, all at Freedoms Rising Sun. That's freedomsrisingsun.com. Dr. Bradley, welcome back, sir. Well, thank you very much. You're sounding in uh, full voice today, and I hope uh, Do I lack well energy, sir? Everyone. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, t- trust me. I mean, it's uh, that's never the, never the criticism. <laughs> Overdriving the mic maybe a little bit for me. No, no, really. I. It's great. It's good to be back and uh, good to uh, hear your voice. And I hope all is well across this great land with good people that love the things of liberty and proper government. And hopefully we'll um, we'll bring more friends to the cause because we definitely need more friends at this particular time. We can't be slacking Amen off. to that, sir. We just can't. Amen to that. Speaking of that, I really wanted to get your take on this. I got this reminder about this from the 10th Amendment Center, so give them a little bit of credit over there. Uh, but the headline says this, speech by Samuel Adams on August 1st, 1776, um, is really important. Uh, it was given on August 1st, so yesterday was the whatever anniversary, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> what is it, 1776 to now? How many years is that anniversary? 
Let's see. You got what? Twenty four uh, and twenty one. You got forty five year anniversary. Two forty five. Yeah, two forty five. Two forty five. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, and I and I think this speech is really worthy of discussion. I mean, you always hear some quotes from it. Uh, basically, the idea that if you're not willing to fight for freedom, leave us go your way and and leave us alone. So we can do our work, um, which I think has some truth. A lot of these folks that want to leave the country, let them. Just go ahead and take off, people. Uh, if you want to leave the greatest country on the face of the earth, be my guest. Um, but I really think that there's a lot more in this speech that ought to be mentioned and highlighted. And nobody better than Dr. Bradley to bring it up, huh? Well, I don't know about that. There's a lot of real bright people out there. But uh, but truly, uh, it was basically a it was a call to arms and get out of our face if if you're not willing to stand with us, you know, kind of thing. And uh, and and putting down those that that were seeking kind of the things of the world. And there's far too many today that are that are seeking those kinds of things at the exclusion of uh, preserving them. I uh, some years ago I I was at a yeah, it was a business meeting in Las Vegas. I had gone there to try and learn a few, oh, I don't know, of, of the tricks to, to be able to become more successful. <laughs> and there was a lot of very, very, very successful people there. Uh, and and they, they were asked to come to the podium and and uh, spend a few minutes uh, talking about their successes. You know, year over year, how many millions more they were this year than last year. And, and all of those kind of things. And I... I ended up on the podium, and uh, and I told the people that my story was a lot different than theirs. Uh, I I hadn't picked a path that had a lot of financial reward and certainly no fame. And uh, I told them though that if my path succeeds, theirs will. I talked about how if they were to succeed, I had to succeed, and then I explained why. And it had to do with the liberty to choose to find. Uh, what you wanted to be, and if somebody chooses to be a, a gymnast or an attorney or a or a, some kind of a, a trucker, you know, magnet, whatever, who cares? Whatever they choose, it it takes the the uh, blessing of liberty to be able to open that door for you. And and I I talked to them about how in this land we had that freedom to choose, and it was being taken from us, and. And uh, many were letting it slip through their fingers because they were distracted and diverted by uh, other things that, in my mind, were secondary because those secondary things could only be done if you had this primary thing. And uh, so, I, you know, I took my five minutes or whatever they gave me, and, and I, I walked, went to walk off the stand. And it was, whoa, 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 we're not done with you. <laughs> And so the people that were running the show, as well as those that were in the audience, had me up there for probably 20 minutes more or another half an hour or something like that, where they grilled me about the perspective I was coming from. And uh, these were some people that were pretty sharp people, pretty uh, capable of, of winning in their arena. But but they got it. They absolutely got it. And, and after I got done, they said, let's take a break. Anyway, I got mobbed in front of the podium. One guy runs up to me. He grabs my hand to shake it, and, and there was $1,000 in his hand. He said, you need this. I want to support what you're doing because we need, to, we need people like you th- out there so that we can succeed. By the way, that's the biggest tip I've ever got, <laughs> as you might well imagine. 
it was it was not requested. It was something that these people had the means to to contribute and to uh, facilitate. And I think that's what Sam Adams was doing. Sam Adams was not a wealthy man. Sam Adams, in fact, um, I don't know his exact financial status when he died, but uh, you know he yeah, was yeah. The beer named pop, after him popper. sure got somebody else wealthy though, didn't it, sir? <laughs> well, yeah, I think that came a long time later. But the fact of the matter is, he put it all in. He he basically uh, him and uh, well, John Hancock and Sam Adams were kind of considered the the rabble rousers uh, that were stirring the pot. And the the Brits, when they came out to Lexington and Concord on uh, April 19th, 1775. Yeah, Hancock, Sam Adams, Sam Bushman, Dr. Bradley, those (laughs) rabble rousing. Come on now. Uh, But I really want to highlight, I want to highlight this and then have you continue because I think you're on track of the exact point that I pulled out of the speech, Dr. Bradley. Um, you're talking okay. about a fundamental understanding of the growth of America and the growths of the growing of sound principles, the adherence to sound principles that Sam Adams was for and that he highlights in his speech and that you just highlighted. It isn't about getting rich. It isn't about Sam Bushman becoming famous or whatever else. It's about these sacred principles to which we ought to have complete fidelity ladies and gentlemen so listen to this in sam adams speech and then we'll have the good doctor continue but i want to tie the two together because dr bradley um we just got to make sure people get what you're saying in the speech adam declares that by voting for the declaration of independence americans have restored the sovereign to whom alone all men ought to be obedient meaning ladies and gentlemen to the throne of America, putting God at the helm of this. Okay, this is about principle and about putting God at the top. God is the focus. His commandments as our guide, understanding who we are, servants to one another. Uh, We pledge our lives, our honor, our sacred fortunes. And then uh, he gives this speech to highlight what he's talking about. Um, Very, very poignant, doctor. And you pointed to it, but I wanted to give people the line in the speech that they can look for. This is really the key. By voting for the Declaration of Independence, Americans have restored the sovereign to all who men or all men should look, ought to be obedient, meaning the God to the throne of America is the idea. Doctor? Americans today don't have a clue, sadly, uh, about the religiosity and foundation upon which we... Oh, right. we got to take a break. Are you kidding me already? Yeah, man. Um, Time flies when you're having fun. When we get back, we're going to have the doctor just rock and roll on this very sacred, in my opinion, of topics to which Samuel Adams points to on his incredible August 1st speech, 1776. We carry it forward today in the tradition of our founding fathers, ladies and gentlemen, on your radio. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. 
With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. with you live ladies and gentlemen sam bushman on your radio with dr scott bradley riding shotgun on the broadcast today freedomsrisingsun.com is website we're talking about samuel adams and his incredible speech famous speech on august the 1st 1776 in the speech samuel adams declares that by voting for the declaration of independence americans have rightfully have restored the sovereign to whom alone all men ought to be obedient. Talking about God Almighty, doctor. Well, everyone ought to really get the talk. There's not just a time that would not allow us to really truly review all of the points out of it, but truly um, the, that sovereign was for, foremost in the minds and hearts of those that were starting this nation. They weren't wild-eyed wild radicals uh, bent on burning the country down and, and going home and watching what happened on CNN. These were people that were all in. They were they, When they signed up for this, they became traitors to the king. King was uh, in charge and sovereign in then, and... Uh, and, you know, everybody looked to Romans chapter 13 as basically obedience to those that were in charge, which was absolutely a farce in comparison to what we ought to be recognizing as, as the true sovereign. And, and, you know, you look at the Declaration of Independence. I mean, there's four references to God in there. Uh, th I mean, people say, oh, this was not a, a religious country. Yeah, first and foremost, it was a religious country. There are those that say we're a commercial country, we're economic or whatever. All of those things, all of those things, as we said in the first segment, are only possible. Uh, success in those things are only possible if we have our liberty, and God is the author of our liberty. It's interesting, as the uh, vote happened at the on the 2nd of July, um, and Adams wrote on the 3rd to his wife um, uh, that he said, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated, this declaration, 
By succeeding generations is the great anniversary re- festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. So these were these were things that were foremost on their minds. And when Adams gave this talk on August 1st, yeah, uh, people should read this because the it's incisive and and it's kind of comprehensive in its its scope. It it talks about a history no review question. of how Before you people... go on the history review, Doctor Bradley, the reason that he that he um, gave this on August the first is because I know we celebrate the Fourth of July as is Independence Day. Many talk about it being really the second of July and everything else, but it took a while. It's not like modern times where you can just do e sign or something like that. You know, they had to literally sure. deal with everybody flung far and everything else. And it, uh, the idea is that basically by then August the first, everything was really squared away and and documented and done to the point where this speech really made sense and when you understand this was 1776 where they literally had declared their independence all these patriots had put their literal lives their fortunes their sacred honor everything their reputations which many of them had great reputations um literally all on the line for this and so when he says by voting for the declaration of independence americans uh have basically designated this they restore God, the ultimate sovereign to whom alone all men ought to be obedient. Think about a phrase like that. It's such a short phrase, but it's so packed with power, so packed with solutions, so packed with understanding and meaning of who we are and how what the whole purpose of our government ought to be, the sovereign to whom all men literally ought to give obedience. So in that, it talks about the Ten Commandments, not by name, but by inference. It talks about God, not by saying God, but by calling him the sovereign. Uh, It goes on and on, but there's so much packed in that one phrase that it's shocking when you really look at it. um, 245 years later, you go, wow. Um, Okay, so we need to look to God. The reason we did this is because we might have been considered traitors to good old King George, but we also sealed our fate as friends to Almighty God, the author of our liberty, the ultimate sovereign. And our duty is to be obedient. I mean, think about how much is there, sir, in terms of solutions today. Well, the foundation had been laid very firmly and unequivocally. Uh, and, and he talks about here in this talk that uh, they had dallied with uh, emperors and princes and all that. And they were... They had been down that path, and, and they had stumbled along the way. But there had been a, and, and as Adams put it, you know, the revolution that Adams saw happened from 1760 to uh, 1775. And the the revolution, the war itself was was incidental to the revolution that occurred because in the hearts and minds of the people, these ideas had been planted firmly, and, and uh, they were ready to die for, for liberty. And, and that's why... When when people today, they talk about, oh, no, 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 uh, God, religion, you know, government, oh, no, you can't mix them. Uh, mix them. I I know people, and, and I speak often of this in church, uh, the people say, oh, you're, oh, you're mixing uh, God and government, and, and you can't do that. It's like, bravo, Sierra. Yeah, you can, and you must, and if you don't, yeah, you will Yeah, and you must it. is the salient point here, ladies and gentlemen. Or you will look good. Uh, that, to me, is the critical point here to understand. And uh, Samuel Adams directly points to the solutions in one sentence. 
keeping the commandments of God, restoring the ultimate sovereign. I mean, so much was done by those actions. Wish we had a few people like the signers today, sir. Well, uh, yeah, they're pretty rare birds. Uh, and the thing is, though, that that the documents that they took their knowledge, their wisdom, their their logic from are still available, and we can use them. I mean, the 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 biggest reference document they had, obviously, were the Holy Scriptures, but uh, but they had uh, Montesquieu, they had Blackstone, they had Locke. And and those guys often in their writings quoted the scriptures, and so the scriptures inferentially are, are brought into their all of their documentation too. And what's interesting to me is when Blackstone uh, published his commentaries on the law in 1765 through 1769 in England, they were imported immediately to to this continent. And he talks in there in his first volume about how every every law that should be obeyed can be tied back to God. And none, none of our man-made God laws can contradict God and be of any validity. And so the, the, this preferential treatment to the wisdom of God is offered. And, and the founders all studied this. They immersed themselves in these things. And uh, I, I've got to tell you that, uh, you know, much of the foundation that I have built upon came out of those documents because I saw them as being absolutely critical to understanding the motivation of the American founding fathers. And, and you know, we talk about this right from, that, you know, the Declaration. That didn't just poof, it's here. Those things are woven into it. And uh, well, you, you go back even to the, you know, the Mayflower Compact, you know, in the name of God, amen. That's how they started it. They were focused on that. And it's interesting, I think around the 4th of July, we talked about this a little bit, but John Quincy Adams, son of John Adams, uh, gave a magnificent 4th of July address on, on the, uh, in 1837, in which he ties it indissolubly, that's the word that he used, uh, back to the birthday of the Savior. I mean, this stuff is so woven into their hearts, and Americans today have kind of, because of court decree, because of the education system, because of our political climate, have abandoned these things. And, and the true central theme of our liberty, the God of heaven, is, is rarely, if ever, mentioned in our political circles anymore. And, and these people, when they did these things, they called down, you know, the... <laughs> Uh, the mercies of God upon the nation. Uh, Timothy Dwight, in a later deal, I mean, this whole founding, the original founding century was just saturated with references of these kinds of things. And Timothy Dwight, uh, I believe it was 1798, gave a magnificent Fourth of July talk in which he too referenced, we've talked about this before in your show, he said the way that we're going to stay strong and independent and free as a people is if we look to the God of this land and, and honor and keep the Sabbath day holy. You look at what happened in 1804 on Christmas Day with John Hargrove addressing the the uh, joint session of Congress. They'd called together. They had assigned him the topic to speak to them about was the second coming of Christ and preparing for the last judgment. <laughs> These things were part of our psyche, if you will. Uh, you look at uh, Tocqueville when he came. Well, we got to take another break, it sounds like. 
The watchword is de Tocqueville, ladies and gentlemen, talking about America being great because America's good, meaning moral. There was a, well, there wasn't really any laws against anything, but nobody did wrong because they were good, honest, looking to God, law-abiding people based on God's law. Hang tight. Dr. Bradley in seconds on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. I'm Brad Bernards. The United States and the United Kingdom joined Israel on Sunday in alleging Iran carried out a fatal drone strike on an oil tanker off the coast of Oman in the Arabian Sea. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said there was no justification for this attack, which follows a pattern of attacks and other belligerent behavior. Three years after NASA's InSight lander arrived on Mars, its data reveals that Mars is larger, lighter, and has a more liquid core than previously thought. Bruce Bannert, the principal investigator of the Mars InSight mission, talks about what that means for us Earthlings. How it changed from just kind of a ball of kind of gray, indistinguishable meteoritic material to the diverse planet we have today with oceans and continents. This is USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Wayne Alaroot for Patriot VPN. Patriot VPN is a virtual private network service that uses military-grade encryption to protect your Internet connection on all of your devices. With Patriot VPN, your data and Internet privacy is secure anywhere in the world. Why do you need Patriot VPN? Cyber criminals, government, even your own Internet service provider collect and use your private information without your knowledge. Examples in the news recently, remember all the companies that have been hacked? Cuba censored the Internet to kill protests? Here in America, conservative groups are being actively targeted. Your personal information and Internet history is being sold by your ISP. It's all happening every day, but not with Patriot VPN. With Patriot VPN, your Internet activity and history is protected from prying eyes forever. Patriot VPN is a veteran-owned business right here in the USA. For business or your family, starting at only $6.95 a month, use code WAR and get three months free. With an annual subscription, it's all at PatriotVPN.com. That's PatriotVPN.com. The Taliban has started to make inroads in two of Afghanistan's major cities. Airports in the second and fourth largest cities in the country, Kandahar and Herat, were struck by rockets launched by the insurgent group on Saturday, the Washington Post reported. The newspaper reported it is the first time that the Taliban has advanced in those two cities in almost 20 years. CNN's Harry Enton looks at the data around the COVID-19 vaccine that shows that you have a 25 times greater chance of dying from COVID-19 if you are unvaccinated and that those who are vaccinated have more than a 99% chance of surviving an infection. He says the group most unconcerned about the Delta variant is the unvaccinated. There was an Axios Ipsos poll extremely or very concerned about the Delta variant. Among vaccinated adults, it was 54%. Among unvaccinated adults, it was just 25%. And this might be part of the reason why these unvaccinated folks aren't getting vaccinated. This is USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, freedomsrisingsun.com, his website. We're talking about this Sam Adams speech given on August 1st, 1776. What a speech it was, ladies and gentlemen. 245th year anniversary yesterday on the Sabbath. How appropriate. 
Uh, Dr. Bradley breaking it down just for us, mentioning the Tocqueville. Doctor? Well, I guess I mentioned some of these things to show uh, how almost ubiquitous the, this uh, whole concept of, of what Adam spoke about back in 1776. This was not a couple of weird guys that uh, that were religious fanatics that ended up writing a thing about getting away from the king and so on and so forth, you know. Uh, this this was immersed, the nation was immersed into it. And uh, and the, uh, the reason I, I like to bring up Tocqueville oftentimes is because here's a, here's a set of outside eyes. You know, he, he came here boots on the ground in the early 1830s, spent time everywhere he could go and, and reviewing what this country was about. And then in the middle of the 1830s, he went back and wrote about it to the, into this European market. But so so he tried to tour the country and observed as much as he could. And, and if you're interested, I'll, I'll just tell you, I mean, he observed how widespread this was and how universally acceptable. If, if we've got time for a few quotations, are you okay with that? I think we do because I think it really, um, in my opinion, relates to the point I'm trying to get across. Sam Adams was a leader among men. And I'm not trying to put him on a pedestal above his uh, station or his deserving. He's just a man like the rest of us. But what a wise servant of the republic he was, understanding that voting for the Declaration of Independence was literally restoring God as the sovereign. Now, you can say we were in a religious nation. You can lie to yourself and pretend all you want. But the truth is so clear in his speech, it is shocking, ladies and gentlemen. I got another quote I'll bring up in a minute. But I, I, I think the Tocqueville and others highlight the point Sam Adams was making. This was a really a national cry the marblehead i'm uh, not the marblehead wow the black robed regiment set the stage for this so well that as you mentioned the war was kind of a you know hey an afterthought the revolution had already really taken place uh, the war just turned the world upside down and showed britain that hey uh, we are independent and we always will be from this point forward thus restoring god the ultimate sovereign as opposed to a king in government dr bradley the proof is in the pudding as you will articulate. Well, okay, so here we are uh, 60 years later. Uh, Tocqueville's an observer on the ground. This was not a flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. This was kind of foundational to everything that went forward. And just a few statements he made in his book. Americans send out ministers of the gospel to the new western states to found schools and churches there, lest religion should be suffered to die away in those remote settlements and the rising states be fa less fitted to enjoy the free institutions that the people from which they emanated. So they've and got Dr. To be Bradley, free. we better take a cue on that today, huh? Absolutely. Here's another statement. They will tell you that all American republics are collectively involved with each other. If the republics of the West were to fall into anarchy, or to be mastered by a despot, the republican institutions which now flourish upon the shores of the Atlantic Ocean would be in great peril. It is therefore our interest that the new states should be religious in order to maintain their liberties. Okay, uh, just another statement. Whilst the law, I've, I've used this statement before, you've heard it. The law permits the Americans to do what they please. Religion prevents them from conceiving and forbids them to commit what is rash or unjust. Religion in America takes no direct part in the government of society, but it must nevertheless be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country. For if it does not impart a taste for freedom, it facilitates the use of free institutions. 
They hold it to be indispensable to the maintenance of Republican institutions. This opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or to a party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. So you see this was complete and, and embraced wholeheartedly. And just one other little quick statement that he wrote, uh, it was about an experience he had in a court in, in New York. And uh, an atheist wished to testify, and because uh, of his self-professed atheism, he was denied that because when you take an oath uh, to, to testify, the judge basically said, look, you don't believe there's going to be an afterlife. You don't believe there's a, a great judge. You could lie through your teeth. You could deceive us, and, and no one would ever catch you, but God will. And if you don't fear God, we can't trust you. I mean, so here's what he said. Whilst I was in America, a witness who happened to be called uh, at the assize of, of the county of Chester, state of New York, declared that he did not believe in the existence of God or the immortality of the soul. The judge refused to admit his evidence on the ground that the witness had destroyed beforehand all the confidence of the court in what he was about to say. The newspapers related the fact without any further comment. See, it was so, uh, people were going, yeah, duh. You know, they read it in the newspaper. There was no uh, no outcry. Oh, the poor man, just because he doesn't believe in God, he should have his day in court. But the judge is saying, look, if if we can't really trust what you say, you you just, the whole case. And by the way, if you go back and read George Washington's farewell address, he talks about religion and morality being the great pillars upon which our whole existence in this uh, great experiment of liberty is predicated, and he said he talked about, without that, how can our oaths be trusted? Now, you look for just a moment. I, I'm maybe taking a little side trip. Maybe you don't want to, but those that hold office today, constitutional mandate, if you will, law of the land, you got to take an oath to uphold the Constitution. Well, every single person does, but virtually without exception. There's got to be a few exceptions, so I'll, I'll leave that door open. Virtually without exception, they immediately begin to violate that oath. Now, um, Noah Webster, one of the founding fathers, he, he defined an oath as something that you imprecate the vengeance of God if you violate it. That means you're inviting it. Hey, God, come down here, strike with lightning or whatever, you know, if you violate that oath. But there are oaths are predicated upon a belief in a hereafter, a supreme judge, and all those kind of things. These are central to our very existence, but those that hold office today that are not qualified intellectually or morally or, or religiously to, to govern are making, they're just running amok right now. And and consequently, our nation is, is at great risk. I say often, we're at a hinge point. But I bring up these historical perspectives to, to just make the point that it wasn't just John Adams and a couple of other these weird guys that believed in God that that were promoting this concept. This is what our nation was saturated in. And I believe until quite recently, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know, our political leaders have been in a state of degrade for a long time. But, uh, but I believe that the, uh, you know, I've told you before while we've been on the radio that uh, I left home uh, at a young age of 16 and traveled around the country. And when I was 18, I went in the service. And then after I got done with that, I became a missionary. But the fact of the matter is, 
as I observed America, boots on the ground, kind of like Tocqueville, he kind of inspired me to go see the, the land. So as a kid, I did. And I fell in love with America. But one of the, th- the reason I fell in love with America is because the foundational principles allow us to be free and happy. But I fell in love with the people, too. The, the quality, the, the, the caring, the, the character of the people that I met as I traveled around the country. And I could tell you stories all day long about it. Uh, they're, they're out there. They're still there. But those that hold office have deceived, I think, largely the people and have caused them to, because of the humanist religion we teach our kids in our school system for 12 years before they end up uh, going to the temples of this humanist religion, uh, the <laughs> universities and colleges, we teach our kids a godless philosophy that, that leaves God out. And consequently, America is tragically strained from its original foundation. And we're, we're thrown overboard what really kept us free and strong and happy and, and prosperous and respected and everything else. And that's why Sam Adams' speech is so critical to understand. Samuel Adams really was um, laying down a fundamental framework of truism that really cannot be ignored, especially 245 years later. Here's what uh, people say. Well, you can't have a litmus test on religion. You know what? I can have any thought process I want in my voting, and I can have a litmus test if I want to. What they're saying is we shouldn't have a litmus test uh, about Mormons or Catholics or uh, you know, these different theological realities of religion. But if we point to God Almighty, I can say I want a godly person to serve as my teacher for my children. Or I don't want my children taught by them. I can say that. I can say I only will vote for a guy who believes in God and the fundamental right to life. Okay, I, we don't need a, a federal or a government litmus test, I agree. But at the same time, we should have these fundamental realities. And I think our founding fathers point to it very, very clearly. In this speech, Samuel Adams refers to God in many ways, multiple times. I'll give you another quote when we come back, but I want to make this very clear. So we lie to ourselves about this. Other people also say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Well, we can debate terms if we want to, but let's be clear. It's not about a certain church that you walk through the doors of. It's about your relationship with God Almighty, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ directly? Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, 
you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I sure wish we had more time on this Samuel Adams quote and the context that it finds itself in back on August 1st, 1776, because it wasn't just a flash in the pan. It wasn't just the view of one man. It was literally uh, the nation was immersed in this principle of religious liberty, uh, of we got to turn to God, not government for answers, of, you know what, obedience to the sovereign of the universe, the author of our liberty was so core and so fundamental, had been taught by religious leaders, the black-robed regiment, literally for years. The American Revolution uh, happened over years and years and years before war ever even broke out. The stage, the stage uh, was set, and this speech really articulates that well. The idea that we're not a godly nation or a Christian nation uh, is a complete farce. We are, and it's provable in every, almost every address the Founding Fathers gave in some reference or another from the Declaration of Independence right on through, ladies and gentlemen. The speech by Samuel Adams was incredible. But here's another quote from the speech, Doctor, that I believe is really worthy of your comment. Here it is. Samuel Adams, courage then, my countrymen. Our contest is not only whether we ourselves shall be free, but, but whether they shall be left to mankind an asylum on earth for civil and religious liberty. So he's basically saying this contest isn't just for us and our liberties and our freedoms and our freedom to worship how, where, what we may. But we want to know if going forward we will have an asylum for religious freedom. In other words, we want a safe space in the world. Because as we see it as the founding fathers, there's not a place in the world for religious liberty to prosper. And we want this contest, this fight for liberty, not only to be about ourselves and our own interest for religious liberty and freedom, but we want to make sure that this will be a safe space going forward. I don't know that you could make a more clear declaration for God and for religion than that, sir. See, the, there was a recognition right from the very beginning uh, of the essential nature of this religiosity, this this. Uh, foundation of Christ and all that, and, and Adams touches upon it. But the enemies of Christ and of liberty have also made note of that. And and the United States has truly been a target because of that. I mean, I think the satanic powers have been focused on some way to unseat this in this nation. It has been the great light on the hill. It's not to be, we're not to take our military might and uh, you know, convert by the sword, if you will, which some other religions do. We're to provide the the uh, kind of the example uh, and teachings and make it available. I mean, 
make the truths available so that other nations can again adopt them too. And our our constitution, by the way, is probably one of the most copied in all of the world, but probably least emulated because we get scoundrels involved in things. But so many, I mean, in South America in the past, uh, Simon Bolivar and some of those guys, they, I mean, you look at what the Philippines did after the Spanish-American War. They wanted to implement a, a United States form of uh, religious liberty and freedom and everything like that, but the United States got in the way. We took them on as a colony, basically, in violation of our constitutional principle. But other countries have looked to us and hoped for that kind of thing in their country. It, it rarely happens. But we have to be that light on the hill. And I think the enemies of Christ, the enemies of liberty, have have recognized that. If you read what uh, Frederick Engels, not Engels, yeah, uh, and Marx's buddy, uh, uh, he wrote in the preface to the Communist Manifesto, he mentions the United States a couple of times in that. And it's like, we've we've always been in their crosshairs. And, and consequently, uh, the people today that lead this nation, largely communistic in their philosophies, and you say, oh, they're not communists, they're just socialists. Well, communism is socialism. And how you get to their to their tyranny is is just basically the different flavors of how you know whether it's a democratic socialism or a fabianism or whatever um they they are le- leading us to what marx basically said in his and his communist manifesto was the only true and living uh socialism on the earth so they're taking us there and they're doing it in a way that deconstructs, first of all, they have to deconstruct the, you know, the moral character. They, they denigrate those that founded the nation, these great men that did. They denigrate their words, they, and then they're, they're able to denigrate the foundational principles that they brought forth to the point that they can ultimately overthrow them. And that's what Marxism has always done. That's what these people, and you can make the list as easy as I can, that sit at the head of the government currently that are working on destroying this are doing and we are, have always been, the great hope of the world. And if we fall, everybody knows. I mean, especially the Europeans and especially the, I mean, well, you, you mentioned anybody except for somebody that's in this country. They understand that if they're being honest with themselves. So you, you talk about litmus tests, Sam. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been accused of having litmus tests and and you say, yeah, we can have any litmus test we want. And absolutely we can. And, and this happens to be one of them, but... Uh, I, I was accused one time by a political candidate. I'd, I'd spoken very <laughs> strongly against a constitution convention, which he was in favor of. He said, oh, well, if that's your litmus test, uh, we'll just have to agree to disagree. And I said, no, my litmus test is anything, anything that undermines the God-given rights that we were granted by our Father in heaven. And if, in fact, you're doing something that pre- precipitates the loss of that, then that is a litmus test. I'm not going to vote for you. We had a public display that was probably a little acrimonious. But at any rate, the point of the matter is, if if you will not uphold the the true uh, and living concepts of the gospel, which when the Savior came, well, Luke puts it right after his uh, 40 days in the wilderness, uh, he goes back to his hometown and and, uh, he reads in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, out of the uh, book of Isaiah, chapter 61, introducing himself as the Savior. And he talks about liberating captives. And and, uh, these kind of things are central 
to his, what he's done. If if you're taking away God-given rights, if you're undermining those, that's a litmus test I'm going to use. And anybody that's going to rewrite the Constitution is putting at risk all of those things. So, you know, people say, oh, well, you're, oh, if you're against abortion. Yeah, I call the litmus, litmus test, test lie, Dr. Bradley, yeah. because it's just dishonest. Well, they, it's I'm going to have a litmus it's test a, on all kind of things. You bet. But if they, if I, if you tie them back to the principles based, I think you've got a firm foundation. And you know, going back to this religious thing for a moment, I know we're almost out of time. But you know, I mentioned George Washington earlier. Um, he again, this was saturated with everything that was done in these founding times. And he said in his farewell address, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. He said, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. You get rid of religion and you don't have a moral nation anymore, and that's what they're working on right now. He said, it is substantially true that virtue or morality is a necessary spring of popular government. I mean, and uh, it, it's, it's just amazing to me, just amazing to me that um, we as a nation are, are jettisoning these things at the, at, 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 the, at the risk of jettisoning everything we hold sacred. Truly, we are. Um, well, and of the risk of being slaves on the very country that our founding fathers bled and died for, sir. I mean, that's really what we're talking about if we're not very careful. They want to make us into tyrannical slaves. They want to do it virtually by letting you just run around in fear and stay in your home because of the COVID. They want you to be a slave by your own will. Yeah, it's it's very true. And, and, and you know, it's in violation of all the other principles. I mean, the idea of habeas corpus and all that kind of stuff where you, you have to be, you know, tried uh, and, and have a... Uh, you know, to have any of those liberties uh, withheld from you. Uh, but but no, we don't. Here, I, you know, we've been talking about Sam Adams a little bit. Here's another statement he made. And again, I, I start chap talking so fast that I, I get ahead of myself. But here's, here's uh, Sam Adams said, I thank God that I've lived to see my country independent and free. She may long enjoy her independence and freedom if she will. It depends on her virtue. See, all of these things are tied together. Uh, he said uh, another time, the sum of it all is if we would most truly enjoy the gift of heaven, let us become a virtuous people. Then we shall both deserve it and enjoy it. While, on the other hand, if we are universally vicious and debauched in our manners, though the form of our Constitution carries the face of the most exalted freedom, we shall in reality be the most abject slaves. See, that's where we're headed right now. We've got our Constitution. I had someone just showed up at my place. People do this. They drive in my driveway and they expect to go talk to me for some reason. And an individual, never met him before, to have no idea how he even came to think about me. But at any rate, he shows up and he wants to talk about this. And and he's, it's it's one of those things that there's stuff at risk. People are recognizing this. and 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 he had a question about, well, it's a long question that needs probably longer answering, but the fact of the matter is he felt that our Constitution had been basically dissolved by a corporate status that the U.S. Congress had put into effect. And that's a lie. 
our Constitution Congress has no authority there. to dissolve the Constitution. Come on now. Exactly. And by corporate status, it, they can't set it aside. You can only change the Constitution constitutionally by using Article 5. That has not happened. And people that tell you, oh, Constitution's gone. We got to, you know, it's a corporation. Well, and we're again, we're off on another tangent. But the fact of the matter is, Adams talked lie, about the, the form of our Constitution is the most exalted freedom. We have it. It's there. It has not been lost, except for in practice, by which we, the people, are really responsible. Because yeah, we, we don't use the checks and balances them. enough to insist on adherence there, too, ladies and gentlemen. I want to end with this statement and get Dr. Bradley's final word on this. This relates to Sam Adams and his whole push of this August 1st. Incredible speech. you got to read it. He's right as rain on this. Here's my statement. Here's what I wrote uh, in relation to all this, Dr. Bradley, and that is as follows. We pray and work to make sure America remains the shining city on the hill. It's what we do. It's who we are. That's what we stand for, and that's what we're going to die doing, sir. Well, our prayers, obviously, uh, the our prayers are more effective than anything because God is uh, the, you know. That's why I say we pray uh, and work. The ruler of the first, universe. Work, but, right? but the work, I am absolutely sickened by people, and and I know so many, you probably know so many people that say, oh, uh, well, let's just be good people and everything will be fine. Uh, again, you cannot expect that which you're not willing to sacrifice for. If you cannot serve and sacrifice to do this, you don't deserve the freedom that we were bequeathed at such great cost. And I think we all need to re-engage. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. In 20, what, two hours, we'll hit the airwaves once again, as always. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. We take this so serious. We're six days a week live. On the Sabbath, we rest. How do you like that? Thanks for being alongside with us, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully it was educational and entertaining. We appreciate all of you and pray for your support in the sacred cause of liberty. Samuel Adams pled for it in his day, and we mirror the echo, or we echo the call to do the same. God, family, and country, let it be so. LibertyRoundtable.com, FreedomsizingSun.com, LovingLiberty.net. God save the Republic of the United States of America. America. 